I doubt many people and myself included when you've started the business you've ultimately thought about what the end goal is it's more like you just get swept away in the in excitement of the early stages instead of the end goal good morning paddy good morning how are you um i'm good yeah um quite quite weak um oh i had a shoot that got cancelled so uh, that was a bit bummer. annoying and i've run out of eggs so that's <laughs> Wait, even more annoying wow yeah did you enjoy your trip back to your homeland i did yeah i had a good wee weekend and back in ireland so it was uh, it was nice even though it was raining was that but, business or pleasure yeah that was that was pleasure that was just uh just for fun weekend yeah no we had did away. you have a bank holiday like you didn't have a bank holiday did you i had a double bank holiday because it was a it was a holiday in belgium on friday and then holiday in ireland on monday so i had a no. big long weekend you see i always feel like i never know when it's a bank holiday because i don't work with anybody or don't employ people yeah so it's just a case of turning up to the office and going oh nobody's here realizing yeah. that way that it's a holiday yeah i never i never realize it anymore i completely forget about holidays and i always plan work uh, on those days and then realize like two days before ah it's supposed to be a holiday so yeah yeah that you totally lose that whenever you're out working on your own it's a strange one though because we're not banks why should we take it off i say mm-hmm. keep hustling yeah. keep hustling over the holiday so today we're talking about, we're, we're going to give some tips on um, building a business for long-term success because a lot of people get into business with the um, kind of sole intention, I guess, of an early exit. It's very, a kind of very startup term is, is mm-hmm. beginning a company with the question, what's my exit strategy yeah. at the core? I know somebody who's who's just done that. And and that's not something that I want to do, and I'm sure it's not something that you want to do or our listeners. We want to build a business with um, longevity in mind. Did I say that word right? Mm-hmm. Great. So, yeah, so let's look at long-term success techniques because, as Zach Klein said in his talk at Do Lectures, by the way, you, you have to watch his, it's just a 16-minute talk that he did at Do Lectures, and it's fantastic. And in it he says build the company that you wouldn't sell. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. So I don't know, do you want to kick it off or shall I? Uh, sure. Uh, the I think whenever uh, you, you take a business that is born from a, from a passion or from a hobby that you're, you know, you can kind of sometimes fall into a business. So you're not really thinking long term and you're just doing it because you love it. And then, you know, somebody paid you for something and then you sold one more thing and another thing and another thing. And then it just kind of turned into a business. So at a certain point, I think you need to ask yourself, is this a serious business? Do I want it to be, you know, a proper business or is this just a bit of fun? So uh, if the answer is yes, this is a serious business or I can see a a future in this, then um, I think you need to, to think about it seriously and analyze the the business case. So see if it is actually feasible. I mean, it's not always the most fun stuff, but looking into business plans and the other tips we gave in episodes 38 and 40, there's a lot of things in there you have to do uh, if you're setting up your own business or going freelance. Um, So there's a lot of things in there that you should consider if you're wanting to take something that can potentially be a a long-term business. Mm. 
because I definitely feel like I can relate to that with the photography side of things, with it being very accidental. Now I've got to a point, this kind of ties in with my first point, actually, on building long-term success, but it's got to the point now where I've asked myself, do I want to take this seriously? Do mm-hmm. I want this to be a serious business and no longer kind of get by by saying, oh, you know, it's just an accident. It's just happened on its own. So one thing that I was thinking of is, Sounds very obvious, but let me elaborate. Building relationships with Mm -hmm. clients. Okay, so you kind of take that standard freelance client relationship that you have with your customer a little bit further. And it's something that I've started to give a bit of thought to recently because, like I've just said, I've decided to make a bigger commitment to my wedding photography business. You know, I feel like I have been doing it long enough now that it's not an accident anymore. It's um, time to do things properly. Mm-hmm. And I've recently raised my rates. So I feel like if I'm going to try and play with the big boys, then I need to up my game. I need to deliver. And such a simple yet meaningful client interaction as a wedding photographer is um, following up with your wedding clients one year later, which is obviously their anniversary Mm -hmm. and you know sending them a small happy anniversary card maybe a wee printout of a photo from their wedding something that they didn't expect and a small you know that's a really small and inexpensive gesture but it's really powerful nonetheless because with wedding clients you often just work with them once what's the chance of them getting married again and they wouldn't want the same photographer there if they did get married again because that would just be weird (laughs) so but you're planning for the long-term success of uh, okay long term i need more clients and if someone has a has a wedding and the the photographer was great uh, they're you know really likely to to recommend it to any couples they know that that are getting married and the best way of of um, keeping you in in their mind whenever the you know the the topic of a wedding photographer comes up is to yeah do little gestures like that like on their anniversary sending them a a card or just kind of you know keeping keeping up to date with them so that whenever somebody says I'm looking for a wedding photographer they say I've got the perfect person. Yeah, totally spot on. Yeah, that's definitely what I was going for. I think with gestures like that they'll they'll be more likely to recommend you. They're not going to forget you. They'll still be talking about you. You did something like that. You sent out your personally designed Christmas cards. Mm, yeah. And that like you sent one to me um because I was I'm I was your your client. Um wait, have I got the right that the right way around? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um it meant so much to me, by the way. It was just so, it was a nice surprise. And it's something so small. I didn't break the bank for you. No. Um, and look at how our relationships turned out. Yeah, it's uh, it's just the kind of, the that little extra value that you can add or the, yeah, going that tiny bit further than just the, the bare minimum, just the normal stuff. Uh, I mean, really keeps you, in people's heads and, and, uh, makes them think about you whenever the potential, a potentially new project or something comes up, they'll, they'll be thinking about, oh yeah, I remember uh, getting a, getting a card from them or that you, you, it, just putting the effort in of, of designing up a Christmas card and getting them nicely printed and, and writing them all out by hand and sending them out. I mean, that shows that you're willing to put the effort in for something. So when it comes to, something like, you know, your wedding photography business. I mean, 
little things like that show that you put the extra effort in. So, I mean, what, what kind of extra effort are you going to put in uh, when it comes to their wedding photos? So they can already see you're, uh, um, you're someone who goes that extra mile. So you're more than likely uh, to be, to be chosen for, for a project. Yeah, totally. So do you have any, any points, any other points? Well, I mean, uh, I'm wanting to set up, my, my business making making my own apps and products and selling them through the app store and for it to be sustainable so I need to ask myself is that is that a feasible uh, business you know how am I going to do this do I need to how do I take this to the next level do I need to hire a marketing firm to to push our apps uh, or I need to also analyze how many apps I need to produce and how much money I need to make you know for this for this to be sustainable so i need to ask myself uh, all of these questions and i think i think it's really important to to decide what your end goal is so i mean for some people that might be uh, to sell your business in 5 years i mean that that that's for some people that that is their goal but i mean is your goal to be to be building a company or building a big uh, an agency or building a building up a, a company that you're the the head of for some people like me, I mean, I want to, I want to keep designing every day. That's definitely something, a decision I know that I, I, I'm fully aware of now. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine being the head of a large company and managing people and having other people doing the designing and I, I'm just sort of doing all the business stuff. I mean, that, that would be a complete nightmare for me. Um, so I'm really happy doing the, doing the nitty gritty design stuff and having, you know, discussions about UX and, and, working on my illustration stuff and just getting lost in Photoshop for hours. I mean, that, that all that stuff is enjoyable to me and I can make money doing it. So for me, setting up a large company and, and being the head of it is is definitely not the avenue I want to go down. So I'm I'm thinking about what my end goal is. And um, for me, the end goal is to continue designing fun things that I'm passionate about and be able to live off them. And of course, the more people using my apps, the better. And, you know, I'd love a large group of satisfied customers and, and to make money off these, these things that I'm having fun making. I mean, that's, that's what my end goal is. And that, that doesn't, that doesn't mean I need to have a, a huge corporation with, with design teams and everything. I can, I can still make that work by, and also have, uh, have me as the designer and getting to do design most of the time. I think that's a really great, point to make because I doubt many people and myself included when you've started the business you've ultimately thought about what the end goal is it's more like you just get swept away in the in excitement of the early stages mm-hmm. instead of the end goal so these are questions that you have already answered then or are you still exploring them I mean it's stuff I'm still exploring I mean the however I have made some decisions that yeah, of things, of avenues I don't want to go down. Uh, and I've got an idea of how I can, uh, for me, it's, uh, I don't really have an end goal where I want to make X number of dollars a year or to have a team of 10 people working on apps or to have, you know, 20 apps in the app store. Uh, for me, the end goal is more to be able to live comfortably and uh, get to do design work that I really love and I'm passionate about and have a collection of my own products out there and have a lot of work that I'm really proud of at the end of the day. I mean, for me, that's my, that's my end goal. So I'm thinking about 
about how I'm uh, how I'm going to achieve that, and that's I mean certain things like uh, dedicating a lot more time now to actually working on my own stuff rather than client work is a big is a big part of that, and I'm taking a lot of time now to uh, to actually working on my own projects. Actually, shipping stuff more and more is is something that I'm taking into consideration when I'm thinking about my long term success because for us the the brand is really important. And we've talked about building brands before in episode uh, 22 uh, about building a personal brand. Whenever we started making the kids apps, I mean, we started with one, uh, We Rockets, and then then we built another one which used some of the same characters and lived in the same universe as the first one. And we continued to do that and and we branched out a little and created a brand, We Taps, that that could sit around these these kids apps. And we make, you know, our brand is that, that we make, high quality paid iOS apps targeted at two to six year olds. And with every, with every new app idea, we make sure it fits within that brand. So, I mean, we have tons of, of different app ideas, but we need to analyze whether they fit within that brand because that, uh, that brand is, is what's uh, selling our apps. And I mean, we, we've also built other little apps. Like uh, we built one, the stat app for monitoring your app store sales I mean, that's got nothing to do with the kids' apps, so we didn't, you know, include it in our WeTaps App Store account or put it in under, under there. It could have been easy to just add the app in under there, but we don't want to get our brand message mixed up, and um, so we kept that completely separate. And oh, I've never heard about this app. That sounds cool, monitoring your App Store sales. Was yeah. there nothing like that on the market already? Yeah, definitely. There were um, there were tons of of apps for for keeping track of your your sales numbers but what we wanted was a really uh, simplified really minimal view of just how many of how many downloads you've had each day and how many how much revenue you're getting so uh we built the the stat app and um you you just open it you can open it every day and it's just got two numbers on it and um we just kept it really really simple and and that's kind of where we did something different to what other people were doing other people were giving you mountains and mountains of of analytics and and graphs and tables and really giving you so much detail on how your apps were performing but for some people you just want a glimpse of how you're doing and and you know a daily a weekly a monthly look of of kind of how your apps are doing and we built it for ourselves and then just put it out there but we were we were aware it could have been easy for us to to having the the kids app app store account we could have just put it in under there but we decided to make another account and put it in uh, separately because it's got nothing to do with our our kids brand and we don't want to we didn't want to mix things up and um that's uh, just another little point of us planning for long-term success is we want to build this brand and be known as as people who make high quality kids apps and have a have a collection of apps i mean that's our uh, that's another good question I think you need to ask yourself is what's your strategy for branching out? I mean, you're going to start with something small, which is great. It's great to be focused, but eventually you'll need to branch out and expand. And for us, our strategy for branching out wasn't to continue adding more and more features to one app. Uh, it was to create a family of small focused apps and just keep adding and adding onto that number. And rather than make one app more and more elaborate, and more complicated. Uh, we took it to a point where we thought 
okay, this is fun, uh, and it, it has, uh, and a few good features in it, and it's got a complete story in it. Uh, then we set about making a sibling app for it and so on and so on. And then you've got a collection of, you've got, we've got a nice variety of things. You know, people will see something uh, in our collection that their particular child likes. So if it's dinosaurs or rockets or music or whatever, uh, and they can download that particular app, but because we've got a range of apps all under the same brand and we work with bundles, it's, quite tempting for parents to say, oh, okay, I'll just, I'll just buy the whole collection and have all the apps in there because there's bits and pieces that, that my kids will like in each app. And so that's our, our strategy for, um, for expansion and, and branching out is to continue making more and more apps and just growing the collection rather than spending five years working on one particular game and, and making it more and more elaborate. So that's something I think you need to, when you're thinking about long-term success, how are you going to expand? Is it going to be working on one particular product for, for 10 years and just continuing to iterate on that? And, and then you have to consider things like feature bloat and, there might be another way that you haven't thought about um, where you can expand and, and grow your business. And for us, it's, uh, you know, building a brand, making high quality kids apps. And we just, we're just going to keep building on that in that collection of apps. What about you? What, what do you think about kind of these points of, of, you know, branching out? Well, what, well, I wanted to, um, I wanted to, one of my points actually ties in with what you were talking about there. So I want to throw this question back at you, but you've said that you, um, you, you know, you've specifically built this brand to around like high quality iOS apps and mm-hmm. they're targeted at kids. They're targeted at quite a specific age range. One of my points for long-term success was that you also have to be open to embracing change Mm -hmm. and um like i was speaking to the insurance company that i work with they've been in business for a very long time they're very profitable um but in the last decade because insurance has shifted to online and specifically comparison websites they've had to continually reinvent their business multiple times and if they hadn't then they would be one of the insurers who are going out of business daily we're seeing insurers going out of business daily so would there ever come a point where you would be open to say that that sales dipped over a long period of time two to six year olds aren't as actively you know playing with them iOS apps as they were in the beginning or as much as you had assumed is your brand also open to embrace change Oh yeah, definitely. You have to be flexible. I mean, you have to bear in mind that things will change down the line. So things always change. The market always changes. There's new things come out, um, new products come out and, and new ways of, of thinking and working and playing. So, I mean, there's, there's always going to be stuff that changes and you need to be, you need to be flexible and be, be able to adapt to, to those changes. But I think it's important to have long-term goals and keep them in mind when you're considering these changes. So use your long-term goals as guidelines rather than super rigid deadlines and plans that you have to follow. And no matter what way the market is going, I'm still continuing with the goal I made 10 years ago because that's, that's a recipe for disaster. And then you obviously need to move with the, move with the market and move with, with how people are, are interacting with, you know, in your particular industry. Uh, and you have to adapt, but you you should keep your long-term goals in mind as well while you're thinking about making a change. I mean, I think uh, keeping quality 
high is really important as well. Like keep focused on doing one thing and doing it really well, especially at the beginning. I mean, don't jump about and change your business direction constantly. It's really good to be flexible, but you don't want to confuse your customers with regards to exactly what you do. So, you know, nothing is worse than, than having a lot of excitement around a new business launch and then the quality drastically reduces as you lose interest in it or you start focusing on other things. I mean, customers will quickly lose interest in your business too. And so you should, you know, keep your promises and, and have a laser focus for doing one thing and, and doing it really well rather than jumping about and changing direction all of the time. But it's a balance. I mean, you have to see where, where the market is going and, and what your customers are actually wanting and what stuff is working and what stuff isn't working. And you have to be, a, uh, be able to adapt, but don't, uh, don't jump about too much in vastly different directions. Yeah, which is kind of what I do. I I really I'm, I'm understanding more and more recently how much more focused I need to to get and commit to one thing and stick with it. Um, this is a problem about having too many passions. <laughs> but yeah, I also think it's really important to find a, a balance between passion and profitability because I don't know if I'm wrong by saying this, but I think that without passion you'll probably not be profitable and without profitability you'll likely not be passionate and I'll elaborate on what I mean because I think that it sounds a bit confusing but if you don't believe in what you're doing then you'll you will give up when it gets hard and it, it does get really hard at times if you don't feel passionate then you probably won't put those hours into working towards your goal and improving your skill set and keeping up with the pace of whatever industry you're in and meeting client demands, etc. all that stuff. Without profitability, you'll likely not be passionate. Um, it's difficult to love something that's not making you money. You will fall out of love with something if you're kind of failing at it. And I'm speaking from experience. It will be harder to stick at something if it isn't making you money. That, that's what I think anyway. But also people have to remember that passion can be abstract. It doesn't have to be as obvious as design or photography. Um, because, you know, in my case, I hate insurance. <laughs> I hate the industry. I hate the old bald men in suits. And I hate how bad a reputation insurance has with consumers. It has a terrible reputation. I'm not passionate about insurance. But... I have this abstract passion relating to my job in insurance and that is that with all of its faults, this industry needs a splash of colour. This mm -hmm. industry needs an injection of personality and that's something that I believe in. That's something that I feel passionate about. But would I be doing this if it wasn't paying my bills or if there wasn't a good chance that it will develop into um, a sustainable business and paying my bills? No, because you will fall out of love with something if it isn't supporting you. You'll resent it. You'll feel like a failure. That's a horrible place to be. I've been there. So I think for long-term success, you need to balance your passion with profitability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I actually only have one more point that I want to make. Okay. I think it's really important to hang out where your customers hang out. Okay. Um, which is, I think we've kind of mentioned it before because I asked you, like, you're, tar you're, tar you're targeting kids. Well, actually, no, because uh, I said that to you. I said, you're targeting kids, but you don't hang around with kids. And then you said, no, we're targeting the parents. Yeah. 
and we've built an audience of those parents. So I learned the hard way that to really succeed with a business, you must hang out where your customers hang out because that's how you really get into their head, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't have kids, but my, the developer I work with, he has, he has kids and we initially built, built the, the apps because he wanted to build something for his kids. So uh, he has plenty of experience when it comes to browsing the app store as a parent and what, what he looks for whenever he's thinking about the quality and price and, and, uh, you know, educational value of apps and, you know, the, the actual first experiences is kids have when they, they open an app and what stuff they get really addicted to on the iPad and what stuff they, they look at and drop after a few seconds. So, I mean, he's got a lot of experience there when it comes to, to actually, uh, hanging out as one of the, as one of the customers. And yeah, where are you, our users and customers are, are two different people and our users are, are the kids. Uh, but our customers are are the parents, so we we have to aim our our marketing stuff at the at the parents, not the not the kids. So it's really important to to have some experience of of your yeah. Well, I think that's also a pretty good lesson is to decide if your users and your customers are the the same person or are they um, are they different. I mean, are you building a some banking software and your 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 customer is the is the bank, but you, the users are the bank's customers. So you need to, uh, you need to answer that question of who your users and customers are. And then you can find out how to reach your customers. I mean, it's, it's important to, to make something that your users are going to love. Um, but you, but you need to actually sell this to someone. So you need to, you need to think about where your, where your customers are hanging out and, and get involved in the, in the conversation and see what stuff see what stuff they're they're struggling with or or what what annoys them what's challenging them what stuff they like and don't like and uh and then you can cater your product to to your customer so i spent years trying to sell landlords insurance years trying to sell landlords insurance without ever really striking up any kind of relationship with landlords you know i didn't hang around and buy to let forums or i just i never socialized in real life with landlords and um and I even built software for landlords without ever truly understanding what their needs were. And that's, yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. You might get lucky for a little bit, but long term, that's not the way to do business. And that's a big reason why I started Insurance by Jack, where I sell business insurance to freelancers because... I am a freelancer. I'm a freelance photographer and I work in a co-working space full of freelancers. And most of the people that I follow or interact with on Twitter are freelancers. I go to conferences with freelancers and because I am one of them and I'm, I'm, I'm socializing with them and spending time with them, I understand their needs better. Um, you know, their, their kind of, their confusions or their pains and just how to communicate with them, where to communicate with them. And that obviously sets me up, it puts me in a better position for success. So yeah, hang out where your customers hang out. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else or shall we wrap it up? I think that's, uh, that's all the points I, I had on, on long-term success. So but I wanted to say we now have a Slack channel set up where we're chatting with regular listeners about freelance life, doing what you love, and also upcoming topic ideas. So if you want to join in the conversation over there, just send us an email on info at workingoutpodcast.com. Okay, you've been listening to Working Out and you can catch us at workingoutpodcast.com 
and or at Working Out Show on Twitter or info at workingoutpodcast.com. Did I get it right, Paddy? You did, indeed. Kind of. Okay, great. We'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.